So for the last couple of weeks, for the second reading, we've been hearing from the first letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians, and we're still very early on in that letter. Of course, a couple weeks ago, we heard from the very beginning of the letter, and St. Paul reminded the Corinthians and all of us and anyone who's ever read it throughout history uh, that all of us are called to be holy, all right, every Catholic, every baptized person even, is called to be a saint. And this entails that we live our life in a way that's very distinct from the way that many non-believers in our culture live. Now, last week, St. Paul addressed some pastoral problems that were going on in the Corinthian church. All right, and the specific problem that we heard about last week was the problem of division. All right, Paul told the Corinthians that they should be united in the way they think. They should be of the same mind, agreeing on what they say and united in a common purpose. And this sometimes entails that we need to abandon ways of thinking, abandon opinions that conflict with the teachings of Jesus Christ and the way his church interprets these teachings. Well, we're moving through the letter now, and in this section, St. Paul sort of elaborates on that. He elaborates on on this way of thinking uh, by comparing human worldly wisdom to wisdom that comes from God. All right, St. Paul, really through this next section of the letter, and we'll hear about it for the next few weeks, is that he's pointing us beyond human and worldly ways of thinking to something much deeper, something that exposes worldly ways of thinking to be foolish. Wisdom, as Paul understands it and really is the entire Bible uh, as we would think about it, uh, wisdom is sort of practical knowledge, all right? We can even think of it uh, perhaps as, as common sense, all right? The common sense of the world at the time of Paul was, for example, that uh, wealth was crucial to happiness. Human wisdom taught that having uh, political power was the best way to influence the world. Uh, Human wisdom in the time of Paul taught that your lot in life was sort of dictated by who your parents were. You couldn't escape that. And these, of course, you might notice is what the wisdom of the world is today. There's nothing new under the sun. And Paul reminds the church in Corinth that despite the fact that they were not wealthy, despite the fact that they did not have political power, despite that they didn't come from a noble line, that God had still chosen them to be the ones to build the kingdom of God. He says when it comes to human wisdom that God chose the foolish to shame the wise and the weak to shame the strong. Paul points out that there's a wisdom that comes from God that surpasses human ways of thinking. Many of our categories are irrelevant in the kingdom of God. This brings us back to what we reflect on all the time here at St. Rose. The wisdom of God 
offers us a new way of seeing the world, a new way of thinking about the issues of our day that are outside of some of the mainstream schools of thought. And the wisdom of God, of course, helps us to live our life in this distinct way that Paul is so careful to address. And it's a way that brings deep happiness and deep peace that the wisdom of the world simply does not bring. And that's not so much a theological statement as it is an observation about people we see in the news, people we read about, perhaps even some of our friends and family members. And of course, we see this so clearly in the gospel. All right? It really is appropriate. It's a blessing that we read this gospel, the Beatitudes, in light of this reading that we heard from St. Paul. They go together very well. Because remember, the Beatitudes, they reveal to us who it is that has truly found favor with God. They reveal to us who has truly been blessed, who is truly happy, where happiness is found. And as the people gathered on the hillside in Galilee to listen to Jesus speak, they were certainly shocked by what Jesus revealed. And when we hear the Beatitudes today, we should be shocked as well. The Beatitudes are completely contrary to the wisdom of the world, which teaches us that rich, famous, and powerful people are the ones who've been blessed by God. The Beatitudes teach us that it isn't the rich, but the poor, those who rely on God alone, who find favor with God. The Beatitudes reveal to us that when we grieve, we also experience comfort from God. The Beatitudes reveal that the meek and the thirsty and the hungry and the persecuted, they are very close to God and are often, here's the important part, are often the very people who are most successful at building up his kingdom. Now, why is that? You know, why would Jesus say something that seems to contradict all of our human wisdom, something that goes beyond our common sense as human beings? Well, the reason that the Beatitudes are true is because of the man who said them. All right, remember, Jesus was not merely a wise man. Jesus was God who came down from heaven and became human. All right? Jesus depended on the Father for everything. He was truly meek and humble. He experienced what it was like to be thirsty and hungry, especially for righteousness. He was persecuted for righteousness' sake. In fact, the Beatitudes that we hear in the Gospel, we should think of them as a summary of the life of Jesus of Nazareth. That's a description of his life. So when we experience those things in our own life, the reason we're blessed is because God actually shares in those experiences. He poured meaning into them. Right? This is all to say that even our weaknesses are very important parts of the spiritual life. Right? Catholics, we shouldn't fear to acknowledge our weaknesses. Right? We all have them. We need to acknowledge them. God allows us to be weak. God gives us our weakness to remind us of the very important fact that we do need him and we do need other people. All right, Whether it's a moral weakness or a spiritual weakness or a physical weakness, 
It is always in our weakness when we experience our need for God. All right? When we see God working in and through our weaknesses, that's where we come to the knowledge that He's real. All right? As priests, we experience all the time. Sometimes it's in our weakest moments where uh, our ministry bears the most fruit. I'll tell you, just preaching, okay? Sometimes I get up here and I think I nailed it. All right? I think I'm, I'm profound in my wisdom that I'm passing on to the people down below or whatever. And, and very often, when I'm feeling that way, when I'm feeling boastful and arrogant, uh, nobody, nobody mentions anything. But when I'm up here and I'm actually kind of embarrassed about the content, Sometimes that's when I get emails from people saying, Hey, Father, that one really got me. All right? That's the reminder that, hey, you know what? It's not, it's not me, <laughs> you know, up here all the time. Okay? It's in my weakness, my weakest moments where, where God does that. And I know it's the case with you as well, and you also have stories like that. All right? It's when we come to the knowledge in our weakness, when we come to the knowledge that we need God, And that's where we become open to divine wisdom and experience the peace that comes from God alone.